All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. It's Naomi with Weird Mythic Podcast, and as always, I'm with the wonderful Serena. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit. How was your day, girl? It was eventful. Yeah? Um, Yeah. My transmission went out, so I'm carless right now. It's always something, no? Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm alive. We're recording. Yes. Yes. I'm not sick, even though allergies really suck in Texas. Yo, everybody here, like everybody at my office is sneezing all week. Oh, I like, bet Scott is just going through it. Yeah, he, he's very loud. Like, he sneezes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> but yeah, but what's weird about, dude, it rained here in Sacramento on Monday. And today it's, it feels like it's fucking 70 degrees, 75 degrees out. I'm like, what is going on? It's so hot yep. right now. Literally, it rained yesterday. It was pouring and like thundering. And then today it was like 80 and really mm-hmm. humid. And I'm like, um, what (laughs) right like i did not dress for this (laughs) no i was wearing a hoodie and like i didn't have like a good shirt on under it for the office i was just like whatever i'll i'll just sweat (laughs) i'll just sweat today (laughs) for real well what's also so i have like all of my um plants outside i'm i'm now getting blooms on all of my succulents which is very strange that doesn't happen for like at least a couple more months so but um they're so pretty all of i have um my aloe is blooming and then i have um my little chicken and hens are blooming too and it's so cute nice Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so yeah well what are we talking about today we're doing a part two to our witches episode, mm-hmm. which I think we launched around the same time we did vampires back in October. Yes, yes. Um, but definitely before we get into that, let's talk about the exciting news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, we're, we are going to be at the True Crime Festival in Dallas at the end of August. It's our first festival. We're super, super excited. We're, we're going to be there. We're ready. We're gonna be there, and if any, if we have any Dallas listeners, please come because that would be freaking awesome yeah. to meet you guys. It's gonna be August twenty seventh and twenty eighth. We'll have the links on everything, so you guys can buy tickets. It's still the early bird special, so mm-hmm. pr- tickets aren't that expensive right now. Um, but we're gonna be there along with some other really, really, really cool podcasts that we actually listen to. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. I hope I don't fangirl out too much. <laughs> I know, right? And this is the first year I think that they're actually opening up the True Crime Festival to paranormal podcasts as well. So there's mm-hmm. gonna be a couple other paranormal podcasts there. And we're gonna be there and it's gonna be awesome. And I'm so excited to see Naomi again. I'm yeah, with her. I, I know. It's been way too long. I know. I know. Even just doing FaceTime, it just doesn't work. Like I still need yeah. to like to to be in a room and just talk is just that's what I need from you. <laughs> like I wanna be in the same room. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna be coming out with some good episodes around that time as well and mm-hmm. um possibly a live recording. It yeah. just depends on how the festival goes, but we'll definitely have links to everything mm-hmm. and then just come hang out with us. Yeah, True Crime Festival, Dallas, end of August. I've never even been to Texas, so I'm excited to finally go to the state and, you know, mark that off my list of places to go. <laughs> yes, I know. It's going to be so freaking hot, though. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm sure, man. <laughs> it's going to be my first Texas summer 
And yes. I'm glad I'm going to be experiencing it with you. Oh, great. So. <laughs> I'm glad I could be there to sweat with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, you know, um, come by the festival. And thanks again for even the festival for allowing Paranormal Podcast to be there. So we're excited. Yay. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, let's let's jump into the episode then. We're going to mm-hmm. be talking again about witches. This is going to be part two. Mm-hmm. Naomi, you want to go ahead and kick us off? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, but one one quick thing. So, the previous vampire episode that we did, I mentioned that the Anne Rice TV show, Interview with a Vampire, is like, well, is now a TV show, like, that's in production and whatnot. So, Anne Rice also has a series of books called The Mayfair Witches, and they have announced their casting as well. So, everybody, if you're if you're an Anne Rice fan, Mayfair Witches fan, um, they now have the casting out there, and it's just going to be so much fun. So that's my Yay. my quick little thing about Anne Rice and witches and vampires, because that's my first big thing when when I started looking into that or reading about vampires and witches. That's where I started. So. Yay, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Appalachian witchcraft. I came across a couple of, um, what is it, sorry, articles about what they were calling granny witches, Appalachian granny witches. <laughs> so I had I to keep that. looking into that, man. It was so great. I love that name so much. <laughs> and pretty much these women... Um, you know, we're, weren't exactly witches or they'd never really considered themselves to be witches. But what they did, I guess, was technically considered witchcraft. So one of the first things that I came across that almost every article mentioned was called dousing. Are you familiar with dousing rods, Serena? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. I could not tell you. I could, so, I'm going to be so far up if I try to guess. <laughs> so um, you've seen those pictures of people with the two like metal rods in their hands and they're like oh, walking yeah, yeah, yeah. around. And so pretty much what they were originally used for was for finding groundwater or um, gold specific minerals you were looking for. And they did this a lot. Um, in the Appalachian Mountains. So what they do is they take either a stick that is a Y-shaped and you hold the two ends and have the uh, one pointed end out in front of you. And what you would do is you walk kind of slowly and as soon as that twig starts to bend down, then you have found your water. And then you dig and you got some water. So you can actually do this. I found a YouTube video of a guy showing you how to make dousing rods out of wire hangers. But you can also actually just buy these dousing rods online. Like you go to Amazon and buy them. But please don't do that. Just make your own. Especially if you're into witchy stuff. I think if you just do it on your own, it actually has a little more power to it. Yeah, I feel like we talked about that a lot with, like, Ouija boards. Usually the stuff you make is, like, more, has your Mm -hmm. energy in it, so it's more effective or whatever. Yes, exactly. So that was something that I kept coming across were the dousing rods. I wanted to mention that because that was, like, probably the first type of divination that people were really practicing on not just a, not like a daily basis, but pretty often they were just looking for sources of water and minerals. Back to 
Appalachian Granny Witches. <laughs> so a little bit about the Appalachians is that it is the oldest and probably the biggest mountain range in the U.S. It goes through multiple states and something about that area of the United States was before there was any immigration to the U.S. or North America, it was already you know, pretty much established by Native Americans. So the Cher the tribes that were there were Cherokee, Iroquois, Powhatan, and Shawnee. And they've been there for hundreds and hundreds of years before anyone from Europe was coming over or even um, the slave trade before it got there. So in the 1500s is when the slaves were being brought to America and they were also introduced to the Appalachian Mountains. So we not only have Native American culture there, but now we have African culture there. And then in the 1700s, a lot of Scottish, Irish, and German immigrants came to that same area, but they brought Christianity with them. So now we have three completely different parts of the world in the same spot. And they're all bringing their own beliefs and religions to this area. So for over like 400 years, that's all mixing of different cultures. There's gotta be people who are gonna be mixing stuff together. So a lot of the granny witches or Appalachian witches really took stuff from the Native Americans, the African tribes that were coming over, and even the uh, Christian immigrants who were coming over as well. Okay. Um, so that's just, you know, a little bit of history, and that could, you know, let you know exactly where things are coming from. And something I also wanted to mention was that a lot of this type of witchcraft is mainly like herbal medicine, home remedies, and knowing exactly what type of roots or or um, anything you can find in nature, these, these people knew exactly where to look for it. If you were hurt by anything and there was something in nature that they could heal you with, they knew exactly where to go and how to get it. Um, so, as I said, there was lots of blending of these different cultures into, uh, into the Appalachian Mountains. A lot of these women were also midwives, which we talked a lot about on our last episode. And they also did a lot of, like, tea and coffee readings. So I've heard of tea leaf okay. readings, but they also did, like, coffee ground readings. Huh. And what they – during all of this, like, tea leaf readings aren't Christian by any means. But they would actually be, like, reading your tea leaves or making some sort of medicine for you. And they would also be talking or um, – I'm sorry uh, – going through Psalms and reading scripture from the Bible and including it into this magic that they were making for you. So somebody I want to talk about that has to do with this part of the country. I don't know if she was considered a Appalachian granny witch, but there is a story that comes from the uh, late 1600s, early 1700s about a woman named Grace, Grace Sherwood. She is known as the Witch of Pungo. And she was um, in Virginia and specifically in Princess Anne County. It's kind of near Vir Virginia Beach. And she was accused of witchcraft on July 10th, 1706. And there was some sources that says that she was accused before, but nothing ever came of it. It wasn't until 1706 that she was actually, like, taken to court for it. So a little bit about Grace. 
is she was a wife and mother, and she was known for growing herbs for medicine for people and animals. It wasn't just the people in her area. She was also helping their livestock, and she was also a midwife. She was also known for wearing men's clothing, but she was also known for being not only smart, but she was also pretty. So, you know, that happens a lot. People who are smart and pretty. <laughs> so, um, according to some of her neighbors, Grace was the reason for their ruined crops and livestock dying off. A specific neighbor, neighbor, his name was Richard Caps. he accused her of witchcraft because his bull died. But she was found innocent. And she sued Richard for slander. It's like, hell yeah, Grace. You do that. I love that. (laughs) Right? Especially back in the 1700s. So she sued him for slander and won. She didn't get a whole lot from it. But, I mean, the fact that she was even able to just sue him, I think, is great. So go, Grace. (laughs) So there was a other neighbor, and her name was Elizabeth, Elizabeth Barn, who claimed that Grace had turned into a black cat snuck into her house and began to whip her and and so she said that grace was the cat who was whipping her what the heck i know i'm like out of nowhere (laughs) um how would you know that that's the cat like yeah and not only did this cat come in and whip elizabeth in her own home but as she went to go grab the cat the cat all of a sudden got smaller and jumped through the keyhole to get away from her so she, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm like, okay, Elizabeth, whatever. So what I think brought up both of those neighbors to even say that Grace was doing harm against them by using witchcraft was because in 1701, Grace's husband passed away and she was now the sole owner of that property. And it was a couple of acres and, you know, people get jealous and yeah. they just didn't like that. So that's when a lot of the accusations started happening for Grace. There was even another neighbor who said that she caused her to miscarry. And, um, yeah, and about um, around 1701, not only did she accuse her of causing the miscarriage, but after that happened, the court ordered 12 different women to look over Grace's body to see if there was a um, devil's mark or a witch's mark. And I found a really interesting list, Serena, of, according to Colonial America, what you, what was considered a witch's mark. My favorites were not only freckles and birthmarks, but for some fucked up reason, red hair was specifically on that list. Taylor, no. I know. I told Taylor at work. I was like, Taylor. <laughs> like, I'll tell her what's on the list. And I'm like, so. Well, remember in our last episode, we talked about pricking and that mm-hmm. like the birthmarks and the moles were like what they yep. said was like a, the devil's mark or whatever. Exactly. And it's kind of the same exact thing. And I immediately thought like, well, all the women I know are probably dead at this point. I'm <laughs> like, literally so dead. Like me. So I have the most ugliest birthmark on the top of my head, but you don't see it because I have very long hair and it covers it. I have like freckles everywhere i have moles everywhere i have a birthmark under my left boob (laughs) i have like even my daughter she has a big birthmark on her leg Uh uh-huh so like we're all dead we're all dead i just like yeah and the only thing i could think of is like 
my mom has told me stories about when I was a baby and this giant birthmark on my head was like hella ugly. So I can only imagine in the 1700s and they're going to be like, it's the mark of the devil or something. Your mom gave like, birth to the devil. Like, poor mom. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so in January of 1706, she was formally accused of causing that woman's miscarriage, and then she was sent to the Attorney General of Virginia. And the way that the authorities wanted to prove that Grace was a witch, they wanted to duck her. Have you heard of people ducking people for witchcraft? No, but... I have a mental picture in my head, but I don't think that that's what it is. So, uh, just to let you know what ducking is, ducking is when somebody will take a string, tie it to your thumb, and then take that same end of the string and tie it to your toes. And they would do it to the opposite. So, you, they would take, like, your right thumb and tie it to your left big toe. Then they would take your left thumb and tie it to your right big toe. And then they would throw you in the water. <gasps> what? Yeah. So, they did this. They did this to Grace. But Grace, being the cool chick that she is, untied the untied her restraints and got out of the water. They're so like, yep, she's definitely a witch. So, yeah, she's definitely a witch. <laughs> and her punishment for getting those untied after being thrown in the water because they thought that she was a witch, she had to spend seven years in jail. I'm like, because she was able to untie herself, which is fucking ridiculous. So seven years in jail. She did not die in jail like a lot of people probably would have in the 1700s. She was able to get out. She lived until she was 80, and she and her three sons lived on that plot of land until she passed. <laughs> so, right? I was like, that's right, girl. But she did her time, even though she never did anything wrong. And yeah, I just thought that's that's the witch of Pungo. Grace Sherwood, go Grace. Dang. Like, yeah, go Grace. That's a lot to go through. And then she still just came out on top. She's like, nope, I can still run my shit. <laughs> So um, something that was interesting, in 2006, the Virginia governor at the time, Timothy Kane, I don't know if he's still governor now or not, I doubt it, um, but he actually pardoned Grace Sherwood 300 years later, just putting that out there, 300 nice. years later, they finally pardon her, <laughs> um, and I believe I that people were like, that is so weird, though. So <laughs> weird. <laughs> But what they did, they actually, they put up a grave and dedicated um, a stone. And uh, there is also a, um, like, statue dedicated to her as well that is next to one of the old churches that was near where her home was. So they did do that, which, I mean, you're 300 years too late, but I'm glad it happened, honestly. Yeah. Because, I mean, (laughs) come on, man. So um, another story I wanted to mention um. I know I just talked about, in Virginia, I talked a little bit about the granny witches of Appalachia, and this kind of took me to Ireland. So, I'm going to be talking about a woman in Ireland, and her name is Biddy Earl. Real name, or her actual name is Bridget Ellen Early, and she just went by Biddy, which I think is an adorable nickname for somebody named Bridget. So, Biddy. (laughs) So, 
Biddy was born in Ireland in 1798. She did live to be 75 years old up until 1872. She was very, very well known in her little uh, town in Ireland as being not just a clairvoyant, but I think like everything that I read, it was pretty well known that she was a witch of some sort. People went to her all the time for the tiniest of things and she would help them. As a child, Biddy um, was known to talk to fairies. Her mom actually used to help her talk to fairies, and her mom taught her some certain cures and remedies for ailments that were also happening, like, around that time in Ireland. So she got a lot of this um, information and and knowledge from her mom, which I saw a lot of that in the articles I was reading about the Appalachian witches, is it was always passed down from woman to woman in the family. Like, you would definitely have the men were involved, but it was mainly passed down from mom to daughter or grandma to, you know, granddaughter. So, um, sadly, though, her mom did pass away when Biddy was only 16 years old, and her dad passed away soon after that. So she was an orphan by the time she was 16. And there's Aww. actually a couple years of her life where people don't have any idea what exactly Biddy was doing. But I'm sure she was just living and trying to make her way. So by the time she was about 25, she did marry this man who was about twice her age, and she did have a child with him. And I... Th- There's not much really about her husband. It's just that she got married and had a kid. And as she was at home with the kid and her husband was off doing whatever he did for work, a lot of people would go to her for not only just like my kid is sick, but could you make sure like this other person isn't hexing me? Um, Can you make sure that my livestock have a good year? Can you make sure that my crops have a good yield? And she would help these people. She was known for having a magic bottle with her, and she would gaze into this bottle and determine how to help that person. So um, I'll have to get into what these magic bottles are after the story, but it's really interesting because there's actually a huge thing around um, magic bottles. So in 1847... Ireland had a huge famine and disease. However, none of it affected Biddy. She was healthy and had no gray hair at the age of 50 at this time. She was still helping people. And one cool thing, I didn't mention this, and I should have mentioned this first, but Biddy never took payment for helping her neighbors. Not one payment. She straight up would refuse money. So people would bring her food Or, in a lot of the cases, they brought her alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Something about the alcohol, though. Um, Sometimes it wasn't made properly, and it could poison you. So, that's exactly what happened to her husband, is he drank a lot of the alcohol that was given to Betty for her, you know, remedies and cures, and he sadly passed away from consumption like that. That's Um, sad. It also happened to her second husband. <laughs> so, yeah, but it happened a lot. Um, but people always brought her something, and it was never money. She never asked for money. She did marry two more times, so in total she was married four times. Her, her last husband was actually 20 years younger than her, and she still outlived him. <laughs> still oh, outlived <laughs> him. So... 
Yeah, um, she was accused of witchcraft in 1865. She was then taken to court, but the court was, the case was actually dismissed. And the only reason is because none of her neighbors, none of her friends came forward to say that she was doing any harm. The people who were accusing her of witchcraft and taking her to court was like the authorities, was like people in high standing in society. But they couldn't move forward with anything because everybody was like, no, actually, she hasn't done any malice, nothing wrong to us. She's a a healer and an herbalist, and she takes care of everybody. um, But yeah, Biddy um, lived until she was 80. She continued to help people up until the day she passed. And so Biddy's home in Ireland, it's still there. Like, her cottage is still there. And it was restored at some point in the early 2000s. But the people who restored her cottage um, were trying to profit, like, having tours of the house and collecting money. Uh They all had horrible bad luck and ended up leaving the home and didn't come back. So now it's just sitting there. I couldn't find exactly what that bad luck was. But if it's enough for you to give up a business that you just did or, like, just started, like, it had to have been pretty bad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about those magic bottles. So Biddy had that magic bottle that she would gaze into and it had something in it, but nobody ever knew exactly what it was. So in Irish tradition, a magic bottle was used as a charm against witchcraft, spells, and evil spirits. Um, So... That's pretty much what it was. It was just a magic bottle. Um, And this same tradition was brought over to the Americas, to the Appalachian Mountains. There has been archaeological excavations where they have found these bottles underneath floors and fireplaces. I guess that's where you're supposed to put them. And it's not really exactly hiding them, but it was something about being underneath a hearth or being underneath a fire is where you kept these magic bottles. Okay, Um, so it was like a protection type. Yeah. Exactly. It was to ward off against anything evil or something bad happening to you. You could also put these magic bottles in a windowsill, but it had to hit, I believe, the rising sun had to hit it every morning. That was like the little thing that had to happen if you're going to put it in a windowsill. So a lot of the times they were just placed under or near a fireplace. Um, They did find one of these magic bottles in 1976 in Pennsylvania, and they dated it back to the 17th century, so that's insane. And I did find exactly what they would put into these bottles. Are you ready? ready. (laughs) So the things you need to have this magic bottle, you need to have hair, fingernails, or toenails. And in some instances, you would put urine in it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I don't want to think about that. But you would um, also put, like, spit. You would spit into the bottles. And if you were having this bottle not just to protect you, you were having it to protect your household, you would also need your family members or the household members to put their hair and their fingernails or toenails into the bottom as well. And as you put everything into the bottle, you would recite... um, Psalm 59, which I don't have written down, so I'm not sure exactly what that psalm is. (laughs) Look it up, people. (laughs) So that's what the magic bottles were. They came from Ireland, and I just think it's so interesting that they even found one in in the 70s in Pennsylvania. And that just shows you exactly how folklore and 
uh, oral traditions can be followed and then brought to different parts of the world, which is just so cool yeah. to look into. I had a lot of fun looking into the Appalachians. I found some really cool YouTube videos on exactly like what the Native American tribes did there and how they actually welcomed the Irish settlers when they came there as well. Um, they also um, invited former slaves into their tribes. So I'm j- I just think it's a really cool that there was such a mix of cultures in this one area. And that just, I don't know, made me happy. So there's the story of Grace Sherwood and Biddy Early. And I just thought they were really cool. Never heard of them. I'm happy I got to do that research. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I liked that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, Serena, ta- passing the torch on to you. What do you got? All right. Okay, so I am going to be talking about the Bell Witch Haunting. Woohoo! Do you know anything about it? I think I listened to a morbid episode on the Bell Witch, <laughs> but I honestly, I, I can't make any connections in my head into, into who she was, so I didn't it. know they did it. Now I feel stupid, but it's no, okay. No, that's what I'm like, because, okay, so they just did another episode on a witch that I've never even heard of that you haven't covered, but I'm not even sure if it was them who did it. It could have been another <laughs> podcast that was talking about a witch, but I mean, they usually do big deep dives, but um, I actually, I don't, I can't think of who the bell witch is. So I'm just okay. going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right. So I'm going to be talking about the bell witch haunting and the haunting occurred in Red River, Tennessee, which is now known as the town of Adams, Tennessee. And just to give you like a little bit of background um, on the family that it happened to. Mm-hmm. So in 1804, John Bell moved his family from Edgecombe, North Carolina to Red River, Tennessee, along with about 10 other families on like a, you know, they were pioneering or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he had purchased some land in a large house for his family. And during the next few years, he would become a very successful farmer. He had a lot of land. um, And he also became an elder in their church. So he was pretty respected in the community. And one of the other families that had moved over when they did was the Batts family. Um, Frederick Batts, who was the head of household or whatever, the mm-hmm. father, right? Mm-hmm. He got seriously injured while he was working on his farm and he was basically physically impaired to the point where he wasn't able to really provide for the family. Mm. Um, so because he was unable to work, he had to sell some of their land and property. So John Bell ended up purchasing some of the land, but... Um, Bats felt like he basically took advantage and exploited the situation because he bought it for, like, way cheaper than, you know, what it should have been going for. Okay. Yeah. And so this created, obviously, conflict between the two families. Um, And Kate Bats, who was the wife, swore to John Bell that she would make him pay for this. Oh, that's never good. She was upset. (laughs) She was pretty (laughs) mad. Um, so further escalating the tension, Bell purchased a young slave girl from Benjamin Batts, who was Frederick's brother. And Bell like left the slave girl with um, her mother for a while because I guess when he went to go pick her up, he felt like she was too young at the time. So he mm-hmm. said like, oh, you need to stay with her for a while longer or whatever. And then when he went to go collect her, Benjamin was like, 
nah, man, I feel like she's worth way more now than like what you had originally paid. <laughs> so he was like trying to get more money. Okay. Um, and then after like a really long back and forth between the two, Belle ended up selling the girl back to Benjamin Batts for more than what was originally paid. So they just basically, what? he got more money <laughs> out of them. Oh, wow. Um, so that just okay. pissed him off even more, right? <laughs> That's just all bad investments like all the way around <laughs> i mean yeah usually slavery is not a good investment <laughs> I'm like it's all just bad investments all the way around yeah no, not a lot of good decisions are being made no at this time. um and then benjamin he ends up filing a lawsuit for extortion and um john bell he didn't show up to court on the court date i guess and so the courts ended up siding with benjamin yeah and then word got out because obviously it's like a smaller town right and John was actually excommunicated from the church because mm. of that. The hauntings kind of began, I would say, in 1817 okay. when John was out in his cornfield and he found like this strange animal sitting in the corn row. And it had it was a black animal and it had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. The and, body of a dog, head of a rabbit. Yeah. Like creepy, right? <laughs> and he um he shot at the creature like a bunch of times, but the animal just vanished. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then he wasn't able to find it, right? And then that evening is when the family began hearing what sounded like stones being thrown like against the house from the outside. But anytime they would like run outside to go find the whatever person that they thought was throwing the stones, mm-hmm. nothing was there. And, like, all the sons were, like, we're going to get it. Like, you know, they were, like, waiting for this to happen. And then nothing was there. Okay. Yeah. They would hear um, loud scraping and thuds happening inside the house, like, the walls. And then, like, at all hours, rats would be chewing on their bedposts. And then the children's bedsheets would get, like, ripped off of them when they were sleeping, and then they would, like, physically see their pillows being tossed on the ground by, like, an entity that was not there. Nope. Isn't that so scary? Well, it reminds me of the movies. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly, like, paranormal activities. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, um, as time went on, they would start to hear whispering in the home and what sounded like an older, like, sickly woman singing hymns. Which is That's already creepy. I'm noping. Yeah, I'm noping the fuck out at that point. Yeah. That is so terrifying. <laughs> anything like, I don't know, like anything that you feel like is an evil entity and then they bring like the church into it just scares the shit out of me because I feel yeah. like they're like taunting you. They're like, nothing can That's stop me. Like, I think you said that perfectly. They're taunting yeah. you. They're like, I can recite scripture too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just wait because it gets like way worse. <laughs> So um, one night, the, their daughter, I think she was the youngest daughter, Betsy, um, she was awoken by the sounds. And then when she got up to investigate, her hair was like knotted and tied to her bedposts. So oh. she couldn't move anywhere. She couldn't get up. And then as she was like laying there, couldn't get up. She was being repeatedly slapped in the face by like something that wasn't there oh jesus and then john bell he finally was like this is too much because time had gone by and they didn't tell anybody like what was going on because they didn't want the reputation to be like further damaged i guess because they're already like 
he's excommunicated from the church and then all right. this now like Satan shit is happening. <laughs> um, but he did confide into his, one of his good friends, James Johnston. And him and his wife were like, we're going to come and stay at the house and we're going to like have to see it for ourselves. Right. Um, in the beginning, it was fine. Like nothing really happened. But like as the night went on, the bed covers were getting yanked off. They were getting slapped in the face. And then when they were getting slapped in the face, I forgot to mention this with the daughter, they would see like physical welts and like handprints. Oh, wow. On the body. So like it wasn't just like, you know, you felt it like you could see the welts and stuff. Yeah. And then um, it was like a little conflicting. But I think at one point, James Johnson, he he like said something about like, in Jesus name, tell me who you are. Some shit like that. Right. <laughs> and uh, like a voice was it said Kate Bats or Kate, who is the wife, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. So they so, like think it's her, but she's alive at this time. Like, I think the census said she didn't die till like 1830 or something like that. So okay. it's just kind of weird. I don't know if I believe that it was her or like what, but Basically, now this thing has a fucking voice. <laughs> and a name. <laughs> and a name. We're going to keep calling it the entity, though, because okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> the hmm. entity's voice eventually strengthened over time, and it just became really, like, loud and unmistakable, and you could, you know, very clear. Mm-hmm. And it would sing hymns. It would quote scriptures. Um, it would carry on, like, intelligent conversation. Like, it wasn't, you know, it knew things. And then once it even quoted word for word two sermons that were preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. The fuck? Yeah. Like for you to know that. That gave you're, me chills. You're like the devil or something. I don't know. I don't even know what I would. Co- yeah. I guess the devil or something. Like, Some demonic like entity. I, I feel. I feel like I need to stage my house now. <laughs> I'm like sweating right now. <laughs> Um, so eventually word reached, um, Andrew Jackson, who we know would soon become president, like eventually, Mm -hmm. right? And he was in Nashville, which wasn't too far away from this town. Um, him and like a small group of troops basically were like, we're going to go see what the F is happening. So they went out to the Bell home and then, um, like they were getting close to the property. It was a really big property. Um, so they were getting like close to it. And one of the men who was like on the troops was bragging about like he had a silver bullet and he was basically like antagonizing the entity, which is like never good. You shouldn't yeah. do that. Right. Um, and then the wagons, they seized up and they wouldn't move at all. Like despite their, they weren't like stuck in mud or anything. And then the horses and men were like trying to move it and it wouldn't move. Oh shit. And then so, Jackson, go ahead. It, so it wasn't the horses not moving. It was specifically no, the carriage. The, and like the wheels would the not wheels. budge. Oh, yeah. weird. Yeah. And the horses and then, like weren't freaking out at this time. They just No, weren't. they were just trying to go like okay. to pull the yeah, to pull the wagon and it would not move. Huh. Um and then Jackson proclaimed by the eternal boys that must be the bell witch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, that just makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> right so um then a disembodied voice basically told them that they 
they could proceed and that it would see them later that evening. That's not creepy at all. Which is, like, so creepy. (laughs) Right? Like, why would you continue on? I don't know. Andrew Jackson, he'd be crazy, I think. (laughs) But um, the man that had the silver bullets, again, he was bragging and he was, like, it was later that night. He was still going on and on, like, as if having your whole entire carriage stopped isn't signs enough, right? That you should probably Mm -hmm. knock it off. He was saying like i could kill any spirit that i come into contact with like bring it on you know just like like antagonizing this entity so almost immediately his body began like jerking around in all different directions and he was like claiming that he was being stuck with like pins and needles and it was super painful and he was being beaten severely like at one point it almost seemed like somebody like kicked him in the stomach because he like the motions or whatever. And um, basically the bell, witch, the disembodied voice or whatever called him a fraud. <laughs> yeah. And then they had said like, Oh, we're going to find another, there's another fraud amongst you or whatever. And I'll call him out later. I didn't really oh, find much else on that, but they basically only left after one night. <laughs> Yeah, And then um, Andrew Jackson was reported saying, I would rather face the whole of the British army than fight the Bell Witch. So he was fucking scared. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I would be scared too, though. (laughs) So um, the entity continued to express disdain for John Bell. Like she hated him. She used to call him like old Jack Bell and like just antagonizing him. And like she would basically like. It was the majority of it was for some reason it was on him and then Betsy. Like, I don't know what the daughter did, but it was really sad. Mm. Um, But yeah, she did not like John Bell at all. She kept vowing that she was going to kill him. And eventually he started experiencing these episodes of twitching in his face and he couldn't swallow very well. And this was like going on for almost a year. Mm hmm. And then by the fall of 1820, his declining health had basically, like, he's now on bed rest. He can't really leave the house type of thing. And when he would try to walk, he would put his shoes on, but the entity would take his shoes off and, like, steal his shoes or whatever as he was trying to put them on and then would slap him in the face Uh as soon as he would come out of a seizure. Oh, my gosh. So he was, like, seizing and stuff, and then, like, immediately he's just getting fucked up (laughs) i feel sorry for john yeah no i you're on it's really sad you're like on your deathbed and a a fucking entity is slapping the shit out of you yeah but like i don't know yeah that's why people think it might be cape bats because of their their animosity or whatever but Uh yeah so he ended up um passing away december 20th of 1820 and while he was passed away like he had just died or whatever um there was like a pungent smell coming from his mouth and they're like what the fuck is that like that's weird right mm-hmm. and they discovered this vial of like a cloudy black liquid in the cupboard near where his bed was and it had like the same smell that was coming out of his mouth and for some reason this is really sad they like sprinkled a couple of drops of the liquid on their cat's tongue and the cat, like, shot up in the air, like, flipped over, and then dropped dead. Oh, the poor kitty. How sad is that? Why did they decide to use the cat? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I couldn't tell you, man. <laughs> and they re- they don't know what this substance was. 
Well, yeah, and then the entity like exclaimed that uh, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. So basically, the witch poisoned him type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then John Bell's funeral was one of the largest that was ever held in Robertson County, Tennessee. Like, everybody was there, like, for miles and miles around. Mm-hmm. Um, as the crowd of mourners began leaving the graveyard, the Bell Witch entity laughed and sang songs about alcohol, and she was just, like, laughing manically, like, this whole time, right? <laughs> she didn't stop laughing until the last person had left the graveyard. And then after that, she kind of disappeared. But how fucked up is that? <laughs> I am. I have. I don't even know where to start. Like how disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay. E- so there's nothing saying that he was even a bad guy or anything. But this entity Apart was from, like that beef that he had with the Bats family. Uh-huh. I'm sure he was. And there's like speculation that um, I don't remember where I saw this or heard this from. That he was like doing bad things to like the slave girls and then like his daughters maybe but i don't know how accurate that is but regardless like this fucked up you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) but um so then after that they it kind of disappeared and then the family thought that she was going to be gone forever until the spring of 1821 so i think this is about like that was what winter so this is a couple months later Mm -hmm. um betsy the youngest daughter, she received a proposal from a man named Joshua Gardner. And everybody was super happy about the engagement. Like, everybody really liked him in the town. You know, the families agreed. Like, everybody was super happy about it. Except for the Bell Witch. <laughs> of course. She, she has like, reappeared. To say. Yeah, she reappeared and ordered Betsy over and over and over again, like, do not marry this man. They would um, go to, like, the river, the cornfields, or just be hanging out or whatever. And the entity was like constantly nagging them Mm. and to the point where betsy was just like over it and around easter in 1821 betsy just called the engagement off oh wow and she ended up like marrying some other dude and the bell which was apparently fine with that but i'm like what was wrong with that dude and all of a sudden you're being nice to this girl that used to like torment and beat up and slap in the face like but now you want to give her advice right Wow. Okay. I I don't know. Super weird. Um yeah, so in April of 1821, shortly after the engagement had been called off, the entity visited um John Bell's wife Lucy and told her that she was leaving but would return in 7 years. Okay. So, in 7 years, it was 1828 and the entity paid a visit to John Bell Jr. And it said that they were like discussing the origin of life, Christianity and the need for a major spiritual awakening. And this lasted like three weeks and then it left again, but promised to return in 107 years, which would have been the year 1935. And nothing, I can't find anything that was documented from 1935 when it came back, but Dr. Bell, who was like a descendant, did publish a book in 1934 about the Bell Witch, and I think it's just about the like basically what I just read, like the origin yeah. story type thing. I don't think it's about an experience, um, but that'd be nice to read. Wow! <laughs> yeah, so that's what I have on the Bell Witch. Um, you can visit the property today, and there's like a cave and stuff, um, and apparently a lot of paranormal activity like happens there. 
people get like touched and like slapped and um if you like take things from the cave like bad things mm-hmm. will happen you'll have bad luck or whatever um huh. but so yeah there was nothing after that seven years it came back and then there was nothing after that 100 years that it was gone there's nothing saying that anybody heard the witch yeah no i couldn't find anything apart from like modern day sightings of like people that visit the cave but nobody said like oh you know kate bass is talking or whatever yeah so i don't know i don't know what happened that's insane years and yeah nobody could say exactly what was going on except this weird entity that multiple people heard yeah and saw that it was slapping or hitting a person and nothing was ever solved Mm -mm. And apparently, um, like, the entity was okay with the wife, Lucy. Um, Like, at one point, she got, like, really sick. Mm -hmm. She had, I forget what it was called. It was, like, inflammation of the lungs. I forget what it was called. But um, she was basically dying, right? This was right before John Bell had fell ill. But um, there would be, like hymns that would be sung around her and then like grapes and hazelnuts would like appear on her bed (laughs) and then all of a sudden she got better and then john fell ill so so i don't know i wonder what the hell john did to have some sort of entity just attack him like that or even his daughter yeah for years this is like one of the first cases that a death was like documented to have some that had something to do with like a paranormal okay thing (laughs) yeah that's wild yeah it was crazy it scares me and i'm like do i want to go there they do tours and stuff and i want to (laughs) but i'm also really scared oh apparently like if you're a non-believer because Mm -hmm. remember that guy was like oh i'm gonna shoot the end yeah i don't know he was thrown around a room (laughs) yeah they that's like what happens at the cave and stuff if you're going on a tour and you say like you don't believe those are the people who are gonna get things that happen to them she go, she's like you gonna believe today <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't you deny me uh-uh. yeah literally so i don't know if it's still the same bell witch or if it's like just an energy force or like what but i thought it, i wanted to give the background because people do think it was kate bats but she was alive at this time so but i mean i like, don't know if she's a really good witch she could totally uh, manifest herself some That's somewhere true. else that's but true it doesn't sound like she was accused of anything she like so except people, for the voice saying kate bats but yeah, that was so, somebody who was close to the bells who said that yeah so people um thought she was practicing witchcraft because she was super super loud and like obnoxious and once she took over mm-hmm. like the head of household or whatever she was just very like odd so people thought she was practicing witchcraft but nobody ever accused her and nobody ever like came to her and was like i think you're doing witchcraft you know what i mean because they were kind of scared of her so it was like kind of a thing but i felt like it wasn't enough to like really mention because nobody did accuse her how weird but it's also so coincidental that that just happened Multiple to be the name. Multiple people heard her say Kate Bats. Yeah, like. And if she didn't want to be caught, she wouldn't have outed herself. Accurate. Like, I wouldn't have. Like, no, I'm not so. slapping that kid when she's in bed. And I didn't tie her hair to the bedpole. Right? I didn't do that. Like, why would I out that's, myself? That's just crazy because 
how do you have so much energy like to also like physically provide a vial of poison mm-hmm. into somebody's house and you're not there like how does that happen i i don't know i it just it gives us more questions because it so really is just this entity that is fucking with these two people in their home when it doesn't seem like there's any way to track where this entity came from. It doesn't sound like they were involved in any sorcery, witchcraft, or devil worship. I mean, even if they were excommunicated from their church, it had nothing to do with their belief system, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. There are so many questions. I think I think I want to read that book. Maybe see if they have it on Amazon or something. Um, I'll put a link to it down below. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious as to what you guys think. Yeah, and if anybody has actually been to the Bell Witch property, let us know if you got any stories, man. I want to know. Yeah, send that. We should go. Maybe next year. We're the, the festival this year. Maybe next year we'll do. Yeah. And you said it was in tape. Tennessee. We'll have to look yeah. to see if there's anything else in Tennessee that's spooky and creepy for us Ooh, to see. I feel like there has to be. There's got to be. I'm sure. I'm sure we can find something. Yeah. I'm but, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, if you've been to that property, please send us an email at weirdmythicpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear any crazy stories about that property. I know. It's so crazy. I need to know. Also, you can find us on Twitter at weirdmythic and Instagram at weirdmythicpodcast. Yeah. We also, yeah. Facebook, (laughs) which, you know, just type in weirdmythic. You'll find us. (laughs) Again, we're going to be doing the True Crime Podcast Festival August 27th to 28th in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come hang out. Come hang out. And I don't know, man. Just if you're in Dallas, definitely let us know places to get some good food and a good drink. (laughs) I've already been looking. And I have a list going because you know me, I'm like the biggest foodie ever. It's true. It's true. (laughs) So, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Also, guys, if you could go to any of our, you know, podcast or your favorite podcast platform, give us a rating, download, leave a comment, anything to help boost, you know, our, our influence or I don't know if influence is the right word just help us with that algorithm yes thank you (laughs) yes we super appreciate everybody's support and everything so far it's so nice to be back it's so nice Mm -hmm. to be back it is it is I miss talking to you Serena it's great (laughs) I miss you too we'll have to do like a catch-up here soon yeah but until next time guys until next time bye